from Jesus, his words to us this morning. Again, Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Brothers and sisters, may God add his blessing here to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, help us to hear today in these moments as we worship together to be open to the power and the voice of your Holy Spirit that would speak to us through the proclamation of your word. We pray in Christ. Amen. Clearly, somebody had told a developer that on the sand that was on the cliff on the coast of Maine that had this picturesque view of the ocean, somebody had told that developer that under that sand and earth and dirt was a rock-solid ledge, a sure foundation, if you will. And so the backhoes came in and they scraped off the, the, the dirt and sure enough found a, a foundation there. And they came in and concrete was laid and the construction teams came in and, and the multi-million dollar house was built overlooking the ocean. And for many years there it stood until... Nature did what nature does. And the erosion of years began to take its toll and the, the salt air and the, the frequent rains. And one day in the aftermath of an offshore hurricane that had sent some powerful storms ashore, that rock-solid ledge was not rock-solid any longer. And the hole opened up and half the sea swallowed up, or half, or the sea swallowed up half of that house as it fell into the ocean. Now, on the insurance claims, it was described as an act of God. But others who recounted the story of the building of that home said it was really an act of foolishness because the house should have never been built there to begin with. The foundation was never going to last. That's the kind of story Jesus tells. The story of house being built and the need for us to weigh our foundations or the foundation. Jesus has a way of doing this. He teaches with stories. A certain man had two sons. A man was on the, the, the road um, and accosted by robbers. The, the, the merchant that sells the, the field or buys the field for the pearl of great price. Jesus tells stories that have profound and significant uh, spiritual impact. And that's what he does here. He tells a story. And there's some things in just a few verses that we can extrapolate, that we can pull out of the story, that have significant impact for us to wrestle with. Questions that, that we need to, to ask ourselves, truths that we need to begin to understand because Jesus has a way of packing a lot of truth in just a, a few words. And so... 
we begin to look at the story, we begin to wrestle with it for ourselves, and here's some things that we can begin to understand about our own lives, and, and that is this. Uh, we are all in the construction business. We're all in the construction business. Now, some of you may literally be in that, like Ray is, you know, that, that you literally build stuff. But the reality is all of us are in construction in a spiritually profound way, and that is our very lives are the houses that we build. That's Jesus wants us to understand that, that the house image here is, is us. And from the time that we're born to the time that we die, we're constantly in construction. You are constructing uh, your home. You construct that through the, th- the, the thoughts in your head. They're part of the, the, the bricks, if you will. The, the relationships in your lives that, that begin to shape the walls. The dreams that you have that become your windows, the, the, the decisions that you make, the habits that you form, which are the planks. I mean, we can play the imagery out in a million different ways. But Jesus wants us to understand we're building. That's, that's exactly what we're doing. We're building our homes. And we're constantly changing, modifying, rearranging. But Jesus wants us to begin to think about that structure, that home. And to begin to ask ourselves some very significant and profound questions like, how solid is our foundation? How solid is our foundation? When, when um, I took a break from ministry years ago, I've told these stories. I, I worked, when I say I worked in construction, I wasn't a builder. I didn't do that kind of stuff. But I worked with a home builder. And um, I worked on the, the finance side of things and, and did some purchase orders and things. But, but he was building million-dollar houses. And, and I remember when we, we first started, and he was, he was the owner, but we came on board uh, with him, and we went into this community in Hillsborough. And if you walked into that community today, or certainly when we were building, in this community there up in, in North Hillsborough County, uh, you would come in and you would see five different home builders, depending on what part of the community you drove into. Uh, David Weekly, Arthur Ruttenberg, Mark Ruttenberg, some of these, these names that may or may not be familiar to you. But, but all of them were building in the community. And the interesting thing was all the houses were, were fairly similar because of um, some of the, the, the requirements within the community. Uh, they all had their own unique kind of stamp on them. But, but there was a lot of similarities between the homes. They were all large. They were all fancy in, in many, many ways. The only difference really was where they were built. When it all started, we went in, and the, before any houses were up and the roads had been, some of the infrastructure had been made so you could see where the, where the lots were going to be. And I can remember we walked around the community trying to figure out where were the lots that we thought we needed to buy to begin to build homes. And that was the only distinction was they just were in different places. They were on different foundations. Now, all of those foundations were solid. There wasn't one better than the other. It was really just about location. But, but the truth of what Jesus is, is teaching is, is he's taking, he's telling this story, and, and we can naturally assume that, that what he's saying is you've got two people, two men, that are, that are building their house. And there's a lot of similarities between them. Same community, probably worshipped in the same synagogue, were raised with some of the same values. But the difference between these two houses is not the external, not what you see, not the, 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 the visual recognition, but it's that they build their homes on very, very different foundations. They build them on, on very different um, rocks or, or 
starting points, maybe would be a better way to put it. And, and for us, we have to ask ourselves that question. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus describes them with these terms. He says, one is wise and one is foolish. Now, understand, that's not good or bad. I mean, he's not saying one is good and one is bad. He's not saying one's educated and one's uneducated. He's not saying one, one is rich and one is poor. He says one is wise in the decisions they make and one is foolish. And here's what marks the difference. He says that the wise man is the one who hears my words and puts them into action. The foolish one is the one who hears my words and doesn't. So wise and foolish becomes a distinction of behavior that is based on belief. This is the, the message that we talk a lot about, the fact that faith is preceded by faithfulness or followed by faithfulness. Belief is followed by action. Jesus says the wise one, the wise person, the wise builder is the one who hears what I say and not only believes in their heart, but it begins to shape what they do. Now, here's where understanding, here's the, the word I go back to over and over again, context matters. Because if, if, you have, if you have your Bible in your lap, if you have it open, especially if you have a red letter edition, this is significant. Because if you go back to Matthew chapter 5, the first two verses in Matthew chapter 5 are in black. It sets the scene. Jesus saw the crowds. He went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, from that point on, all the way until the last two verses of chapter 7, it is all red. It is three chapters of Jesus' teaching. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have the little headings, you can see he talks about being salt and light. Jesus talks about adultery. He talks about divorce. He talks about oaths. He talks about vengeance. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about giving um, to the needy, not worrying, seeking, following the narrow way, discerning between true and false prophets. He's giving just a discourse on faith that shapes behavior. And at the very end of that, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he tells this parable. He caps it all off. He says, here's the difference between wise and foolish. Here's the difference between intelligent building of your life and foolish building of your life. And that is, it's the person who not only hears what I'm saying, but does something. Acts. Their faith becomes the driver of, of their behavior. We are all building. The question is, what are you building on? How does it move you? But we're all in the construction industry. Your life is your project. Or if you submit yourself, it's God's project in you. So we're all in the construction business. Now here's the second truth that is not profound, that you know, that you've experienced, but, but it's significant. And that is, we all face storms. We all face storms. Jesus says that he built his house on the rock. Now, keep in mind, that's what Jesus wants. He's the rock. So he's saying, here's the wise builder. Here's the one who builds his house right, who builds it on the sure foundation. And the next thing he says is, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. What he's saying is, here's the smart builder, here's the man of faith, and oh, by the way, he or she is going to face storms too. 
the sure foundation is not a, a protective bubble. We all face storms. As much as we wish our lives were on an upward trajectory all the time, we know better. Life teaches us better. We have peaks and we have valleys. This, this week was a great week for me. Not, not just because Duke won a basketball game, but that was part of it. But let me tell you, this is, this is how charmed my life has been for ten, about 10 days. Many of you know Tony and I are graduates of Florida Southern College. That's where we met. Eight days ago, nine days ago, whatever, Florida Southern won the Division II National Championship in basketball. A week later, Duke wins the National Championship in basketball. That was Monday night. On Tuesday, I was at the Masters in Augusta. That is a good good week. Now, I, I was there with, with my closest friends in ministry. These guys I was with, we all went to Florida Southern together. There's four of us. We all went to Florida Southern together. Three of us went to Duke together. So, so we were all feeling really charmed. I mean, and, and here's the thing. I mean, apparently it was a good week to be near us because when we were, and this only makes sense if you're a golf fan. So, but when we were at the practice round on Tuesday, the golfer that we got the closest to was Jordan Spieth, who's leading the Masters by four or five strokes now. So I tell you, you wanted to be close to us this week. <laughs> I tell you, this is how good it was. Tuesday on the way home, I was not driving, but we got pulled over by a Georgia sheriff. This guy walked up to the car, true story, and had that deep southern accent. And he looked at my friend's license and he said, Sir, he's like, what would possess you to be speeding down my governor's highway. That was his quote. And we're like, uh-oh. Just gave us a warning and let us go. That's how good it was this week. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Yeah, for the birthday part, I'm skipping. Um, but it all fit, fit in well. Now, here's the thing, though. We were joking, and it kind of became the running joke for us during the week, especially after the basketball wins and stuff, we're like, when's the shoe going to drop? In other words, something not good has got to happen because nobody has a string of luck like that consistently. So we kept joking, what's going to be the thing that's going, we're going to get hit in the head with a golf ball. Something's going to happen. And, and that became kind of our, our, our just banter and kind of our fun. But underneath it, I think, is a, a profound recognition not, not necessarily just to be pessimistic, but a recognition that we all know, whether it's in insignificant things. And, and look, I, I had great fun with Duke winning and stuff like that. In, in the scope of my life, that's not significant. It's fun, but it's not significant. But, but when we have seasons in which things just go our way, isn't there a part of us that just wonders how long it can last? Because we know life doesn't go this way all the time. That life does this. And when we're up here, and maybe it is a little bit of pessimism, but we kind of wonder what's the downslope going to be. Because, because life happens that way. And we know that. Life teaches us that. Jesus knows that. And he says, when the storms come, when the rains beat down, when, when the rivers rise. In other words, you're going to have those moments. You're going to experience those times. That's why I believe the cross is such an important and central symbol for us in our faith. I mean, we have crosses all over the place, here and there and back there, and there's one out there and there's one back here. I mean, we've got crosses, as, as most churches do. And I think one of the, 
the, the, the pushbacks I have against the removal of, of the cross imagery from those who, who want to kind of remove a barrier, I guess, to faith, is that it removes something that is profoundly significant in our understanding of our walk with Christ. And that is we're called to follow a Savior who was crucified on a tree. We're called to follow one who in his perfection, in his perfect love, did not escape this part of life. He experienced it in ways we can't even begin to understand. He experienced the darkness and the worst of humanity and the worst of life. I mean, it got him nailed to a tree. Yet that symbol, that cross is significant for us because it reminds us not that we don't face hardship or difficulties. Jesus did, but it reminds us of what God does with them. He transforms. He works in and through them. So even a symbol of death becomes a symbol of life. A symbol of execution becomes a symbol of redemption. Not because God removes the difficulty, but because God's presence in the midst of it. His presence with us in the storms. The rock that anchors us in Psalm 21.7. It says, I trust in the Lord. Faith in the Most High God that makes me unshakable. So Jesus is saying, be rooted in the one that even when the storms comes, makes us unshakable in our faith. We're in the construction business, and we will face storms. Which leads us to Jesus' most important point. If we know that that's true, and we know the storms are true, then what becomes the most important thing? What's our anchor? What's our rock? What is and who is our foundation? That's what Jesus says, because only one foundation will last. Other foundations will feel good for a while. They may give us an illusion of security, but eventually they become like that ledge under that home on the coast in Maine. It will crumble, and it will give way, because only one foundation is sure and eternal, and that's Christ. Otherwise, it becomes like the sinkhole that we see in Florida all the time. It just sucks and the bottom falls out. Jesus is the sure foundation, the only secure. In 1173, August 9th of 1173, one of the most famous structures in the world was begun, would become 32 million pounds of marble. Anyone know what was begun in 1173? There you go. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, when it was constructed, it was not constructed to be a leaning tower of Pisa. It was constructed to be a straight tower. However, the weight of the marble and the I, I, the clay it was built on that was had moisture in it. So the weight began to push out the moisture and the tower began to lean at a 5 5.3 degrees uh, you know it's, it's 15 degrees off plumb. It went that way. Basically here. We've seen it. And for centuries that's the way it stood. It became Uh, a a travel destination to see the Leaning Tower. Early 90s, 
probably late 80s, engineers realized they had a problem. Uh, the leaning tower wasn't going to be leaning much longer. It was going to be the crashed tower of Pisa. And so they had to begin to shore up the foundation. And they had to begin to go in in ways that is beyond my ability to fully understand. But they had to replace the foundation. They had to pull out some of that um, clay or whatever that was not secure. And they began to, to, to boost it. So much so that the tower actually is now straighter than it once had been. It came back. It's not upright, but it came back to center a little bit more. And I thought, that's a beautiful image for us in Christ. Because, see, the, the good thing for us in our construction projects is when you build a house, once the foundation is down, the foundation is down. I mean, there may be some tricks you can do, but for the most part, if that foundation gives, the house is done. But in Christ, at any point, we're invited to invite the rock of our faith to come and to, to replace the, the, the foundations that are temporary, the foundations that are not secure, to allow God to begin to straighten us up a little bit, to begin to move us into a right relationship, a righteousness with him. We never are perfect. We never get quite there. But in Christ, we begin to move in the right direction because the foundation becomes sure. That's what Jesus says. He says, what's your foundation? Is it the one that's going to give way? Is it the foolish one that the storms are just going to wash it away, the difficulties of life? Because it has no strength. It has no substance. It has no promise. Or is it Christ? Is it what Jesus says? Is it me? And the, the definition of that kind of a foundation is one that not only shapes what we think, but who we are, what we do, the way we, we act and live and move in Christ. The question becomes, what's, what's our... The foundation is key. That, that's the thing. We know it. The foundation is key, but what's ours? What's yours? I mean, ultimately, where's your hope? You know, is Jesus kind of in there? Or is Jesus in there? At the very rock. Paul and, and Matthew use the image of the cornerstone. So Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, we think of the cornerstone nowadays as kind of the symbolic piece that goes on at the end, and we etch the important dates in it. But in the time of Christ, the cornerstone was the stone in which everything else was measured. Walls were made straight by the cornerstone. Building was erected by the, the direction of the cornerstone. What's our cornerstone? What's our ultimate foundation? Jesus challenges us to ask that question and then invites us. And the beauty is we can make a change. We're not finished. We're still on this side of eternity, so we're still in process. And we can replace that which gives way with that which is eternal, that which will rock in the storms to that which will anchor us securely and create in us a people who are unshakable. Be unshakable because of the rock, which is the foundation of the construction project God has called you to, your very life, your very life. Let us pray.